Okay, Rachel, why don't you start talking first? All right. I feel that this is totally unjustified. She gave me the green light. I did nothing... <laughs> Do you think I can't see you in the TV set? <laughs> All right, Monica, if there is something that you would like to share... You know, you had no right to go out with him. That, that is the most no, ridiculous You sold thing. me out. I did not say you did. did. I did. Absolutely you let sold me, me talk. Did you just flick me? Okay, well, you wouldn't let me finish, and I was just... Ow, that hurt! Quit flicking! Ow, you stop flicking! You flicked me first! Ow, get it! Ow! Oh, all right, okay. How many of you have ever been in a relationship that had conflict? Show of hands. Yes. All right. If you're not raising your hand, then you've never talked to anybody. <laughs> to be in a relationship is to be in conflict. I don't even care if that YouTube clip was blurry. It's friends. So it's right under the office as the greatest show ever released. Get over it. I, I'm told that I'm paid to t uh, preach the truth. So, <laughs> you know, you've got to deal with God or the M NBC execs. Hey, last week we kicked off a brand new teaching series uh, called Relationship Goals. We all have goals. We want to connect relationships uh, with other people. And week one, we talked about connection goals. And man, if you missed it, I encourage you to jump on our website, on our media page, uh, to listen to it. Because we said the, the tipping point for humans to connect with other people is their desire and willingness to be vulnerable with other people. Not to just get to know other people, but to give people sort of a backstage VIP pass for others to uh, get to know us, to where we give people permission that we want to be and we desire to be known. And as we kicked off this series, we're also opening registration up for our life groups. Today's the last day to sign up to be in a life group. And because I love you and like seeing a good fight, uh, there are limited spaces for our groups, okay? So if you're with your spouse or significant other, one of you create a diversion, the other one run back and sign up. Uh, because our evening groups are pretty much nearly full, we do have some space uh, for groups that meet throughout the week in the, in the a.m. time frame before lunch. So we just want to make that aware to you guys. If you're thinking about getting in a life group, think no more. Today is the final day, okay? We'd love for you to sign up. And as Andrew talked about, when we explore God asking some of life's biggest questions, uh, man, I'd encourage you to get in a life group and ask those questions with other people. Well, today we're going to talk about conflict goals, because who doesn't like a good fight, all right? Uh, and so when I say conflict, here's sort of what I'm driving at. Conflict is not something to avoid or ignore, but it's also not something we should plow our way through without a goal or a strategy, okay? So depending on where you're at, all right, conflict is not something to avoid, nor is it something to, you know, uh, sort of, you know, crush somebody over with, Right? It's not an opportunity for you to win. In Matthew 5, 9, there's this, um, some would say the greatest sermon ever given, this oratorial speech that Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount in the first century. And in Matthew 5, 9, he says, he just rambles off a whole bunch of blessed statements. We call these the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed 
are the peacemakers. Now, when he says the word blessed, you can translate that a few different ways. Uh, You can say fortunate are the people who choose peace in their relationships, that they, they don't run from it, but they also don't use it as an opportunity to run over people. You are fortunate when you are able to do relationships in a way where you can engage conflict for the purpose of peace and reconciliation. Another way to translate the word blessed is happy. You ever thought about that? That the added value for you to engage conflict well is that you would be a happier person? Sure, when you think about it, the burden that it is to carry, the anger, the guilt, the resentment after a week or maybe your whole life you've not talked to that person. Jesus says when you practice conflict resolution in a healthy, peaceful way, you're actually a healthier, happier person. Like, people want to be around you. You ever been in a church setting or a life group where the same prayer time, it's the same person complaining about the same person, and after five years, you're like, just deal with it already. What Jesus says, you are happier. There are social, spiritual, and physical benefits to practicing peacemaking. Paul, who planted a bunch of churches throughout Europe, in Romans 12, and also wrote a third of the New Testament, in Romans 12, 18, says this, if it's possible, because some people are just on a whole other level of crazy, right? If it's possible, right, you have to own what you have to own, and how people respond, that is not on you. So even in this text, Paul is teaching us healthy conflict boundaries. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. So what do you have to own? What do you want to say? How? This is important. How do you want to say it? My wife tells me that's important. How you want to say it? And then if it's if, is it possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Yes, there are times where you do have to shut down relationships just because people are so extra that they don't, all they want to do is be a drama king or drama queen in your life that you do, unfortunately, have to cut off some relationships. So when Jesus is um, talking about discipleship, he seems to assume that we would step into this idea that followers of Jesus would be peacemakers uh, in the sense that we don't run from it, we don't avoid conflict, nor do we run over people during uh, conflict. You're going to find out two things about me. I can't draw or spell, and yet here we are. Uh, I'm going to draw a horizontal axle. Last service, I said vertical because Bible college. Uh, there are some of you on the far left, that's not a political statement, okay, that are conflict avoidant, all right? Avoidant. <laughs> uh, when you think of conflict and the fact that the pastor's talking about conflict, you thought, Wow, don't they do Facebook Live at 11? I should have stayed at home. I don't want to talk about conflict. I don't want to hear conflict. I don't want to listen to conflict. And then there are some of you on the far right, again, not a political statement, yet here we are, that are, what are you? You are conflict assertive. So you, uh, assertive. (laughs) So you look at conflict as an opportunity to win. Yeah, right. Uh, we also have counseling. No. You, you, you look at conflict as an opportunity to dominate other people and to prove your point, right? You probably like debating a lot because you're right and everyone else is wrong. So Jesus says we're not to be on this side, nor are we supposed to be on this side. We're 
sort of somewhere in the middle. And that's kind of like Jesus' vibe, right? That's always, it seems to be like that's his, his MO. If you had to self-identify, uh, you don't have to say anything out loud, although you'll draw attention to yourself, uh, is do you find yourself to be avoidant or assertive or somewhere in the middle uh, when we talk about conflict? See, the reason, uh, one of the reasons, I should say, let's just be fair, one of the reasons why we respond in conflict is directly in proportion to the source of our conflict, which can be wounded-based filters. Uh, I, I am, I am amazed. Like I remember when I was a teenager, I just thought adults would have worked through whatever they worked through uh, in their childhood. I, I am amazed that nobody ever is who they are in a present moment. Right? You might be 55, 65, 85, but when you engage in conflict, you've had a whole life. Like, I don't know what your childhood was like. I don't know who, who hurt you, who made fun of you, who wounded you, who took advantage of you, but all of that plays into deep wounds, right? That, that causes you to act the way that you do in conflict, whether you run from it or you, your goal is to crush people when it comes to conflict. I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine this week, and they said that uh, they, they tend to side over here. They try to avoid conflict because in their 20s, way back when, they told their undergrad college professor that uh, they wanted to pursue uh, higher education, a master's or a doctorate, I, I don't really remember, uh, in a very difficult field and discipline. And the professor looked at my friend and said, why would you do that? You're never going to get in. You're not good enough. That happened in their 20s, but they're not in their 20s anymore. There are full-fledged adults with kids, a mortgage. You know, they're adulting every day, but you wouldn't know that looking at them, but it's why, <clears throat> for my friend, they're conflict avoid. Now, some of you take that moment, you're not good enough to be like, well, I'm going to show you, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush you. The reason why we have deep wounds is because of unmet expectations, right? So here are some of those. Unspoken expectations. Uh, we don't communicate well in our marriage, in our, in our relationships, in our, in our work envir environments, right? We have unreasonable expectations, right? We, we, we talk about, it's Sunday, so we talk about the family calendar over the next week, and maybe we impose our <laughs> uh, laziness on our spouse and say, well, you can do all these things. Hold on, that's not, that's not fair. We're not pulling the same weight here, right? And this is a big one. We have unagreed upon expectations, right? I mean, how many of us, the answer is all of us, how many of us have been in a relationship where we hurt or offended somebody, and vice versa, but we didn't know it because expectations were not communicated. You're not a mind reader, okay? You are not Mel Gibson in the film, what's it called, like What Women Want? He had ability to read people's ladies' minds, and he went nuts. You don't have that ability, right? Okay, you, you, it'll hit you later when you wake up after the coffee, all right? The joke. So he, he, here's the deal. We often are hurt and have deep wounds when we don't communicate what we want in our relationship, and you are allowed to communicate it, whether you're the husband or the wife or the child. You are allowed to communicate your needs. If we live in homes where we're not allowed to communicate our needs, our hurts, and our emotions, we will raise up our children to marry other adults 
that continue that practice. So here are three great questions that you can ask yourself. Two questions, and I think in a statement. When you're in conflict and you're sensing that the person I'm about to, like, I'm going to rip their head off, is not because it's the person I can see, but it's somebody that looks like or reminds me of somebody that wounded me. It reminds me of that college professor that said I wasn't good enough. Even, even if the college professor was a female and the, and the head I'm about to rip off is a, you know, an, an older man. You, see what I'm you, you get it, right? You smell what I'm stepping in? Sure you do. So he, here are three questions you can ask yourself. Number one, am I reacting from a past wound? Is this anger, which by the way, anger is a beautiful emotion. Jesus created us. He's God. Anger is the emotion that says, red alert, something is wrong, and you are allowed to communicate that, okay? If you're in a relationship and you're not allowed to communicate that, you're not in a healthy relationship. You can grow, for sure, but you are allowed to communicate that something is wrong. So am I reacting to a past wound? Could I have expectations that aren't being met, right? I told my spouse, significant other, my child to do X, Y, and Z. They haven't. Now I'm mad. Well, have you talked to them about the fact that they haven't met your expectations? And here's the third one. Maybe I have expectations that have never been expressed. Huge in conflict resolution. Huge in marriages, uh, relationships, friendships, uh, at work, right? Like sometimes we're so angry that we forget maybe I just need to talk to them because what I need from the relationship isn't helping. And that may sound selfish to you, to, to, to hear a pastor say, I'm not getting what I need from the relationship. But it's not selfish. You're allowed to say that. And you're allowed to say, hey, he, here's sort of the expectations that I have from this relationship. Am I, am I off? Am I, am I crazy? Or are you just not, like, are you kind of being lazy with your love in our marriage? Are you kind of being lazy with your friendship and our friendship? Are you kind of being, a, are you being a lazy employee uh, in our work relationship? So let's talk about this super practical sermon, okay? Uh, but come back for Explore God if you want all the Greek and Hebrew stuff. But we're getting super practical today, all right? So let's talk about the opposite, the negative stuff, unhealthy conflict strategies. So we've got a horizontal axis. Let's, let's do a vertical one. And so uh, the upper quadrants uh, represent care high. So if, if you land up here, you have a strong desire, whether you're passive or aggressive, you have a strong desire to resolve the conflict, whether you, uh, you know, know how to do that or not. And we'll, we'll give you some tips here in a second. But if you're down here, uh, obviously it's, an, you know, the opposite. Uh, the care is low. <laughs> you're in conflict and you don't really care if it resolves. All right, look, can we just be honest? We've all felt that. I've thought that this person is worthless. They're not worth my time. They injured me so badly that I don't even, even want to go there, okay? We've all felt that. Now, on the top left, the avoidant person, we could call them the peacekeeper, okay? You can take notes if you like uh, or watch it on YouTube on the playback. So the peacekeeper is somebody that avoids conflict at all times. And this may be somebody that grew up in a dominant household. This may be somebody that grew up in a, in a church that didn't preach healthy, that didn't preach relationships in a healthy way, meaning that 
aren't all Christians supposed to be nice, healthy, and happy with a nice little come over, and they walk inside the door, and everyone's smiling, right? No? Okay. You guys awake? Um, you know, if it's not funny, don't laugh. But th- there's a real sense that Christians are not allowed to blow it, right? We're not allowed to swear at work when we swing the hammer uh, off a little bit and it hits our thumb. We're not allowed to, you know, have a bad day and, you know, accidentally or maybe intentionally flip out on a coworker or our kids or our spouse. And, and so it's very easy because we like morality, right? Sure we do. The answer is yes. Uh, because then we get to judge other people when they're not living up to that standard of whatever that religious morality is or just being a decent, like, I don't know, human being. And so we feel bad when we mess up or we swear or we do something shady at work or with our kids or our spouse. And that, that's, a, that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling to have. But if we're constantly trying to be a peacekeeper and avoiding conflict, right? If you're this, you you know what I mean. Everybody gets to have fun at the party but you, right? You're just kind of on the outside looking in, and and in John 10.10, Jesus says, I've I've come to give you full life. Now, you might hear that in, in a sermon like you just did, and you go, great, that's great theoretically, but I would say I'm a peacekeeper and I avoid conflict. I don't have full life. How do I, as David says in Psalms, sit in the presence of my enemies? Like, how do I go into a church building or a work office or the family dining room, just to be real, and be at peace even though I'm in the midst of being at tension and tension with other people? Jesus is not a peacekeeper at all. Actually, Jesus didn't avoid conflict. He, con- he confronted crowds. He confronted those who were out to bring him down, religious people, pastors in his day, so to speak, which is in- interesting. And he even confronted his closest friends, probably Peter more than anybody else because he kept running his mouth. Jesus was not avo- never avoided conflict, but he was never uh, conflict avoidant, and he was never a jerk about it. He was never assertive. He just had this beautiful way of saying a really hard thing, but also in the sense of, it, c- it came from a place of love. And when you <clears throat> are expressing healthy conflict in your relationship, you will allow, you know you're growing in this, when you allow other people, you know they love you, say really difficult things. And yeah, you may cry, it may upset you, it may throw you off, like, wow, I can't believe you said that. But just take a deep breath and ask, like, where is it coming from a place of love? Does my spouse, my kid, my life group person, leader, co-worker, is it coming from a place of love, and is this something worth actually examining? This is how serious Jesus is about helping us move over here, where we are assertive about our conflict, but the care is really high. So we say what we mean. We're not a jerk, but we actually care about the person we're talking to. This is how serious he is. In Matthew 5, 23 through 24 in the message, Jesus says this, if you enter your place of worship, so if you go to RCC, and you're about to make an offering. You're about to give money to the church. Everyone likes a series on money, right? That's a joke. You suddenly remember a grudge. Oh, I forgot. I hate somebody. I was about to put my check in, my, in the offering basket. I was about to text to give or set up my account and give consistently. But then I remember, then I, remember I hate somebody that I work with. I hate that person that I work out with. I really hate that soccer mom that just doesn't know when to stop yelling at her kid. 
And Jesus says, abandon your offering. Pull a Forrest Gump, emphasis mind. Leave immediately. Leave church. Go to this friend and make things right. He's like, I don't, I don't even want your, I don't, I don't want your money. I don't want your worship. I don't want your ears listening to my message. I want you to resolve the conflict right now, which would be kind of cool. I actually, just going over this, if someone just got up and left, that would be like really cool. It's like they're applying the sermon right now. But that's how serious Jesus is. Jesus is like, you know, I know pastors care about church attendance, but here's what I care about. I care about your, your relationships that you have with other people because you are the closest thing to someone experiencing the kingdom of God. And if you are in constantly in tension with other people and not engaging them uh, when conflict happens, they may never go to church. You might, your life might be the only Bible somebody reads. And so Jesus was very serious about the fact that, like, man, stop, like, just leave church and go resolve the conflict and then come back, give your offering, take communion, and be in worship with brothers and sisters. But there are folks that are conflict assertive, and we would probably call these people bullies. Uh, These are people that could care less uh, what you think about them, although I have found in my life, 37 years, the angrier somebody is, often the more wounded they are and insecure they are, which is kind of a you wouldn't think that because when someone, especially, you know, guys that are tall and broad shoulders and, they ha- and they're angry, you wouldn't think that. But it really is sort of like their inner child crying out for someone to love them. So a bully is someone that has, uh, who could care less about you uh, and uh, is very assertive and looks at you not as a person to love, but an object to win, right? I'm going to crush this conversation. I'm going to win this argument, which is why Paul says, or writes in Ephesians 4, 15, speak the truth in love. So if you're a dominant person like me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. All the avoided people said, it's how you say it, right? Yes, you could be right, but if you're a jerk, nobody cares what you have to say. It's how you say it. Now, I don't know if you're new to the Bible or not, but Paul is a very dominant driven person. We might call him in the business world a leading entrepreneur. Because of Paul, the gospel spread throughout Europe, and church after church was planted. And then because he wasn't busy enough, he wrote a third of the New Testament. Busy guy, dominant, driven guy. Don't believe me? Read about his conversation with uh, Bartholomew, Barnabas, I should say, in the book of Acts. He laid into him. And yet, he writes this verse, which... Here's what I want to say. There's a lot of growth even in Paul's life, right? If you think the writers of the Bible are perfect, holy, and I can't touch them, you're sadly mistaken. Here's a strong, dominant guy that's very driven to spread the gospel, the very gospel that he killed people over before he became a Christian. He says, wait a minute, guys. (laughs) Before we plant this church and you start preaching, it's not what you tell people, it's how you tell them. It matters what you say. And honestly, and if you're conflict avoidant, married to a bully, you know this already. Uh, be, if, if you're in a relationship with a bully, whether uh, married, work, friendship, it's often what happens if you're a peacekeeper, you tend to get apathetic, right? Because why, what's the point of actually engaging in a conversation with someone 
that just looks at me as an object to crush, right? Just someone to win the argument. And honestly, people that are bullies tend to be, um, this is not a put down, they tend to be judgmental. And by, by judgmental is not a bad thing, but when you're judgmental, you're black and white. It's either A or B, and you're an idiot if you can't see that it's A or B. But the world isn't black and white. It's often gray, and there are multiple ways to view conflict in a relationship. But again, if you're here, it's easy to feel, well, I don't care either because I'm married to someone, I work for someone, I'm in a relationship with someone. All they want to do is dominate me but it's worth fighting for, right? Your marriage is worth fighting for, family's worth fighting for, and your friendships are worth fighting for. So let's talk about the other side of the coin. What are some healthy ways to engage conflict? Well, Jesus says we need to be this, which is a peacemaker. And a peacemaker, I should know how to spell this. Uh, I'm still paying off my student loans. Peacemaker. If you think that's funny, you can pay them for me. Uh, um, so a peacemaker cares very highly about the person that they're in conflict with, but they're not going to run from it. They realize <clears throat> that it is a difficult conversation to have, and they set up healthy boundaries. Maybe they text a friend or two and say, uh, I need to have this hard conversation. Please pray for me. But they're actually willing to go and have it. Now, let me help you guys out here, too. You have a conflict goal uh, card on your seat. Go ahead and pull that guy or gal out. And uh, if you have a pen, you can grab that as well. And I want to go through some healthy ways for you to engage conflict. Uh, when I started counseling way back when, uh, like eight, ten years ago, I was living in Colorado, uh, I, I was this dude, and I still have to watch myself. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but I, was, I worked in a church environment that was all, it was cutthroat, man, all the time. All it was is about numbers, butts, and seats, and if you didn't have a lot, you'd get in trouble. Uh, and so I didn't know the language to use uh, to engage uh, healthy conflict. And even as someone that is strong-willed, I would have a lot of anxiety still if I had to have a conflict conversation with someone that was here. Two bullies having a conversation, is I just get anxious even thinking about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to get super practical here, right? So I want you to write down or think about, as I'm talking about conflict, who do you have conflict with right now, okay? Uh, cover your piece of paper if it's your spouse or whoever to sit next to you, <laughs> or you could just drop an elbow, which then we'll know. Uh, so write the name of that person down or persons, and then there's the question of when, right? If it doesn't get scheduled, what? It doesn't get done. So I want you to pick a day, a time, a place, location, whatever, and write down when and where you're going to have this conversation with this person. And for accountability and even a better word, a Bible word for discipleship, I would probably talk to two or three people that uh, you really respect and say, I need to have this hard conversation with someone. Would you be in prayer for me? And afterwards, I want to circle back and talk to you about that. And so here are uh, three statements that you can write down uh, for uh, your um, to engage in conflict. The first one is this, I notice and I prefer. All right, I hear this a lot from my wife. I noticed that you left the towel on the bathroom floor. Right? All the men start laughing. I would prefer that you put it on the hook. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. All right, and I'm not being ignorant. I, I didn't know that, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I took a shower. It, 
It fell. I got to go upstairs and get dressed because the shower is on the main floor at my house. I, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't know that. But if my wife doesn't communicate that, <laughs> the rage can well up inside of her, as, as it should, because I'm not respecting the boundaries that we have, and we all need to be reminded in our relationships what those boundaries are. The next one is the, uh, the puzzled strategy, all right? So basically, look ignorant on your face. <laughs> Some of you, that's easier than others. All right, no, I'm kidding. Here's the puzzled strategy. Instead of assuming that you know what's going on inside the person's head that you're in conflict with, simply say this, I'm really puzzled as to why you didn't return my phone call. You said you would call my, return my phone call, or, you know, it's, you know, 2019. You said you would text me back by 3 o'clock, or you would respond to my uh, story or my snap uh, later in the day. I haven't, wh- what's going on? You, you, some of you teenagers didn't know, uh, knew what Snapchat was. Oh, I know everything. Um, <clears throat> and I, I'm wondering, like, what's up? You're allowed to communicate that, but don't, which I do this a lot, just to be honest, don't try to assume that you know what is in the person's head. They, they could have forgotten. They could have gotten busy. You know, people have lives outside of what you think about when you think about them, right? Here's another way. I feel blank when you blank, right? I feel unimportant when you watch TV with me. Now we're getting serious. What do you mean you feel unimportant? Well, <clears throat> let me just pause for a second. In two months, guys, I mean males in the room, the Christmas Hallmark shows are coming back. And my wife has said, I feel like you're not watching this with me. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the same couch. (laughs) Let me guess what this one's about. The guy or the girls from the Midwest, they fly to a major city. They fall in love, but one is in another relationship. They got to break up. And because it's Hallmark, you you can't go lip to lip. So as soon as they get lip to lip, the movie's over. Yeah, but it's about quality time. <clears throat> I'm like, I'm, I'm right here, honey. <clears throat> but you're playing on your cell phone. Apple just released their new update, and now there's a whole Apple Arcade for $5 a month. You said you would watch this with me, but you ignored me the entire time. And 99.9% of the time, who am I kidding, 100% of the time, you know what, she's right. She's right. And she communicated something that she needed from me, and I didn't deliver it to her. I'd like to close out this message by something that happened to me within the last four weeks. Uh, I was in a major conflict with somebody that I worked with uh, a while ago. It was a church environment. Uh, Believe it or not, pastors need to grow and love Jesus. Otherwise, this is the environment I worked in. And uh, a a friend of mine emailed me about two weeks ago uh, after he got a lot of intense counseling. I got a lot of intense counseling after working at that church. And this is what he emailed me. He said, hey man, I hope you're doing well. I've been meaning to reach out to you for a while. I know that I did not end things well with you when we worked together. I'm not going to name the church. Uh, I want to own my wrong in these things. I realized in the last few years that I wasn't the best employee. I was, uh, I was his boss over the student ministry team. I had a lot of immaturities and dropped the ball on several things. I can't excuse it. I know our friendship, work relationship deteriorated over time, and it was partly due to my actions at the time. 
I wasn't in a healthy place to see all of this. That said, I just want to say I'm sorry, and I hope you can forgive me. It took me a while to track down your email, because I'm sneaky. I see you're pastoring at a church uh, in New Hampshire now. Congrats. I hope it's great for you. If you don't feel the need to respond, I get it. But on the flip side, if you ever want to follow up and chat, I'm available. This happened like two to three weeks ago. And it just, I remember sitting in my office at my desk, just like, it just paralyzed me. And then like the tears started coming down because I wondered about how he was doing. Because, I mean, when I say it was a hell of a work environment, it was literally, aside from like the building burning down, it was one of the toughest work environments I've ever been in. And so I responded back, and I want to share a few thoughts with you. When I look back at our time together, no, let me, I want to apologize and repent to you, my friend, for not being the leader I needed to be for you, but also for playing the game, the gossip, the backbiting, and dealing with other dominant staff persons. I was wrong, I'm sorry, and I repent. This happened in my early, mid-20s. The Lord has worked on my heart and in my own life over the last eight years or so. I've had, an incredi- I've had incredible counseling. I stepped into spiritual direction, and I can now say that I have peace, and I don't need to justify myself to anyone from that church or anywhere else, but I couldn't say that eight years ago. Thanks again for giving me this gift and opportunity to tell you what I expected, uh, to tell you what I expected as well, experienced as well. I'm uh, open to responding if you want to keep the dialogue going. It's up to you. I'm just glad I was able to share my heart with you. It's interesting you sent me this because about two months ago, I went to Kenya with another staff person, and we had a similar conversation. Your pastor's still, <laughs> still growing and still, and still learning. Um, in Matthew 5.9, my friend Matt, who emailed me, taught me this, and I want to teach it to you. You're blessed when you show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. That's when you discover who you really are in your place in God's family. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for uh, an opportunity to talk about a really difficult uh, topic. Uh, thank you that you did not create us to be pushovers. I thank you that you created us to be equal, that men and women are allowed to communicate their needs, their hurts, habits, hang-ups. <clears throat> and we thank you for the cross that... Um, like in, in Romans, Paul says we're, we're enemies of God, meaning we'd rather just kind of figure out conflict on our own, but we had to pay for our sin. And so instead of pouring your wrath out on us, God, like we deserve, like you should have, you dumped it on your son. And because you dumped it on your son, now if we come to you and express our faith publicly through baptism, we can have peace. We can be happy and fortunate and blessed. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.